Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. To contact us, call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. Now here's Joel Van Hoogen. Hebrews 12.1 calls the Christian to put off certain things and to put themselves out to the race. The pattern is the pattern of the Christian life. The Christian has work to do in overseeing their own lives. They must work to put off or put to death the behaviors and attitudes in themselves that keeps them from living fully for Jesus, and then they're to push up from themselves a life committed to living all out for their Savior. So, this new person that you are has two things that we have to do with our bodies in order to live the life that God gives us. In order to bring our minds and our emotions and our bodies under command so that we go forward in the right way and live as God would have His children live, to honor Him and glorify Him. Two things that we have to do. This is where the title of our sermon comes up, Mortification and Vivification. Actually, it's an old term and it's almost always used, these two words are almost always used by theologians, and they've been long used by theologians to express not only what takes place when a person comes to salvation, the old man dies, mortification, and God gives you new life, vivification, but also the cadence or the rhythm in which we go on to live our Christian life. Mortification means to put something to death. Vivification means to bring something to life or to stir life up in something. And there are two things as a new person in Christ that you are to oversee in yourself. You're to look over and you're to manage and you're to give direction to. There are two jobs that you have for yourself. One is you're to oversee the putting to death of the impulses of your flesh, the sinful impulses that still reside within your flesh. And at the same time, you're to oversee and you're to manage the stirring up to life of the impulses of the new creation, of the impulses of the desires that God has put in you by His Holy Spirit in order that you might go on and live out a pattern of putting to death and then putting into life God's instincts. That's the pattern of the Christian life. In fact, if you'll read the New Testament and you'll read any of the letters, for example, of Paul or even read Peter's letters or read John or read James, when it comes to the point where they're applying, I'm calling you into the Christian life, these two things are basically the two things that are repeated over and over and over and over again. This is your duty. Put something to death, stir up life. Put something to death, stir up life. Mortify, vivify. That's the pattern. If you'll remember that, and I hope you will, you'll see it written all through your Bibles. You'll see it every time that you read some example or some place where the great truths of the gospel are being applied to your life. Let's look at these two here because these two things are expressed in the verse that we've just read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. First, put to death. The question you've got to ask yourself is how? How do I put something to death? How do I put these instincts that have been so taught me by my experiences, maybe by the way in which I was raised, maybe by the things that I encountered that were formative in my life, by the very impulses of my physical nature? How do I put to death those things? And what do I put to death exactly? And that's the question we want to answer here first. And the answer that we're given here is quite practical. It says two things. In this idea of putting to death, it's a corresponding idea. It's framed for us in a totally different way. But it says, lay aside every weight 
and the sin that so easily ensnares you. The work is to be a decisive work here. The word lay aside that you might have, and it's in the King James, is actually too tame. I like the way the NIV puts it here. It says throw off, cast off. You're going to run a race. You don't want anything holding you back. So in this passage, these two things are brought to mind that you're to put aside and you're to put off. To make this a little more simply, when you look at every weight, there's one, and the sin that so easily ensnares, think of them this way. Think of them as things that are external in your life, and think of them as things that are internal in your life. And these are the things you're to put aside. External things and internal things. And let's look at the external things first. That's the every weight. What could that be? Those are the things outside of your life. They're not necessarily sinful. They're not necessarily wrong. But at some point in time, the things in your life that are accumulated around for your life become an encumbrance to you. What could that be? Think about that. External things in your life that can be an encumbrance to you running the race that's set before you. That is living a life to the full and full commitment to the glory of God and for the service and the honor of Jesus Christ. Running to know Him, running to experiencing, running Him to be like Him. What is the weight, the external weights that might inhibit you in that race? Let me make some suggestions. You might want to write these down, and then you might want to write down some of the other thoughts that spring to your mind as I give these to you. They can be possessions that you once owned, but now those possessions own you. You know when possessions own you, when you want to go on a vacation and you start thinking of all the things you can't leave behind. You're not free to leave behind. All the things you got to do to keep regulating life. And at some point in time, something tilts here and you realize that you're, you're not free. You're bound. You're owned by all these things. Be careful. Be careful. These can become encumbrances in your life. Think of individuals who begin to amass things and they find some pleasure in amassing it and accumulating it. And there's nothing particularly wrong with that. But at some point in time, they begin to hoard up this stuff until it becomes impediments all around them. Here's another one. They can be amusements that you once enjoyed, but now they dominate your focus and your interests. There's nothing wrong with at some time watching something or engaging yourself in that's amusing. Maybe some of you like to read books and you enjoy them, but at some point in time, you can't even relax without having a book in your hand. You keep reading and reading, and at some point in time, it's taken possession of your life and dominated, and it's an impediment. They can be memories, good or bad. Memories, good or bad, that you stay with too long so that they hold you back and they define you in a way that keeps you from moving forward. You know, it's okay to have somewhat of a sentimental reflection of your past and enjoy it. But if your sentimental reflection of the past gets you stuck in the past, so that you can't live in the present, and you can't live for the future, something wrong with that. And that can be good things as well as bad things. They are anything that you're not willing to forsake to follow Jesus Christ. Anything. Anything you're not willing to give up. And by the way, theoretically, so I'll give up anything. Well, I would say periodically you need to put that to the test, right? Here's another one. There anything that holds your attention beyond its demand for attention. I'll explain that in a second. Look at that. There anything that holds your attention beyond its demand for attention. What do I mean by that? Many things in our lives that demand our attention at any given moment. 
But if you're driving a car, it's, car, it's actually supposed to demand your attention to some extent. You're supposed to be focused on what you're doing. If you're threading a needle, right? It demands a focus and attention. You want to be able to pay attention to what you're doing when you're threading a needle. Otherwise, it'd be kind of a painful experience. And by the way, you'll not thread the needle. You got to pay attention to it. But if when the moment of demand for the thing is passed and you're still held by that thing, you're still preoccupied and consumed with that thing, it's become a weight to you. Because in order to run the race that God has for you, your thoughts and your focus have to be consistently centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. You might think about it. In running this race, your life is supposed to be like a compass that always wants to point towards the north. And you can take your finger, and life does this periodically, and you pull the needle down because there's something that has to be done, and you can point the needle some other direction. But when you take your finger off that needle, it should bounce back to true north. It should bounce back for us to Christ. But if we find out is the thing that you're consumed with and the thing that you've got to pay your attention to when, when the pressure of the day is turned off from it, and you can't turn away from it. You're still hung up on that thing. Well, then it's, it's an impediment that's weighing you down and you need to throw it off to Christ. It'll be reflected in the habits that you develop in your life, the thing that you instinctually go to. If you instinctually go to something that's not taking you to Christ, but it's taking you away from Christ, if you instinctually go to something that actually dulls your mind from being quick and awake to Him, it's an impediment that's keeping you in running the race. Anything that you cannot set the Lord Jesus Christ between yourself and it, anything that you cannot set the Lord Jesus between itself and you and it is an impediment that's to be cast aside. That can be the things you're worried about the things you care about. And so a corresponding verse is the verse that says, casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. It's throwing off those things because you know he cares for you and it's resting in him. External weights that you need to throw aside. Maybe you can think of other things and other examples. They're not necessarily bad. They're not necessarily wrong, but they become things that begin to own you and govern you and they insert themselves into your life beyond their demanded, the attention that's demanded and required of them. Internal things is the next thing it says. And here it says, the easily entangling or the besetting sin. And what's interesting is that the article is used for the sin here. It's as if the author knows that he's speaking about a very specific sin, the easily entangling or the besetting sin. And the verse doesn't tell us what that easily entangling sin is. It doesn't tell us what that besetting sin is. It may be, it's been suggested, that the sin here is the sin of unbelief. And that would kind of fit the context well, because the author is writing to Jews who are, at this point in time, allowing their Jewish faith and the past rituals that belong to their Jewish faith become more dear to them and more important to them than moving away from them to follow Jesus Christ. And so those things that had once been good that God had even used to lead them to Christ have now become things, weights, that are keeping them from running on to Jesus Christ. And not only that, because of this, and because they're fixated on those things, they're turning away from their belief in faith in the supremacy and the great excellency of Jesus Christ above all things. And that's a sin that's ensnaring them and entrapping them. And so that could be what the author is getting at here. And I think actually that is an accurate understanding of 
what he's intimating, the easily entangling sin is the sin of unbelief. But I think we should also see that he's addressing each person as a potential racer. And as such, their weights, our weights, the things that encumber us, are going to be unique to our own experience in our lives. There will be a similarity, but they'll be unique to you. The weights that hold you back. The things that are calling for attention long past what they deserve or what they demand. That are keeping you from putting your focus on Christ. And I think in the same way that their weights are unique, so can be the sins. The easily ensnaring or entangling sin in your life might not be the easily or ensnaring entangling sin in my life. And that's the idea that's communicated in the King James when it says the besetting sin. That's that sin that just seems to come upon you quite frequently. Romans chapter 14 verse 23 actually speaks about this by saying that whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Now the author doesn't tell us what the whatever is. He's just saying that whatever the conduct is, the pattern is in your life that doesn't proceed out of faith from Christ, isn't producing your life because you believe in Him and isn't producing in you a deeper belief in Him and pursuit of Him is sin. Thanks for listening to Bread of Life. Each weekday, it is our privilege to share with you food from the table at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this message or to learn more about our fellowship, call us at 208-331-4096 or go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.